Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The trailer is Barzell. He's got the puck. He'll curl it back. Beauvillier right down Main Street. And he scores! Beauvillier with a power play goal. And it's 2 nothing Islanders. Islanders country. Hello. This is P.T. Isles, the Give Me a Break edition. I'm Oz Blogs Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to this show and every Lighthouse Hockey podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. Our guest tonight is the managing editor for Islander Insight and an AP contributor still at a young age but has been around the team a long while now. That's Christian Arnold, and he joins us now. Christian, how you doing? Hey, Joe, I'm great. How are you? Great to be here. So, Christian, the word that comes to mind after last night's 4-2 victory over the New York Rangers is just relief. I think the fans are relieved, the team is relieved, and Barry Trotz in some of those comments. You don't think about regular season games at the 45-50 game mark as must-wins, but you can tell in the way he talked about that night how desperately that team needed to win. Oh, absolutely. I think that you look at the way the Islanders lost the Washington Capitals the Saturday before that game. Um, you know, the Carolina game, they kind of they got back to where they should be a little bit. But that was a brutal loss, and I think there was a lot of, um, you know, to say disappointment would be, would be an understatement in the Islanders' locker room. But, um, you know, there was a little concern, I guess. And there was a lot, I think there was a little concern for the people watching the team, whether they were um, the media types or the fans that, I mean, that was, the Islanders blew a three-goal lead in the third, the third period to the Washington Capitals. Um, and, you know, they, they've kind of been struggling a bit as of late. And, 
Now they don't get a win in Carolina. They get a point, which was big. And so Saturday, uh, Tuesday's game against the New York Rangers became a, a must-win for the New York Islanders because, um, you know, you go into the break with a loss like that um, to your rival for the third time in about, I think it was like nine days or something like that. Um, that's a tough one to come back from. That's a tough thing to go into the break because you're going to be thinking about that the whole time. So the Islanders needed that win in a lot of ways. They needed that win to um, you know, kind of keep on the Penguins' heels a little bit. They needed that win to give them some cushioning uh, from the Blue Jackets and the Hurricanes. Um, you know, you're right. It's not often you talk about a game in the middle, middle of the season being a must-win, but Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden became a must-win for the Islanders because of the situation they found themselves and after playing, um, you know, such a, a large number of games in such a short number uh, number of days, so I mean that became crucial for that for the Islanders to win that game on Tuesday uh, Tuesday night in New York City. And looking back now on the stretch, as the dust settles a little bit, you know they get three points in those four games. The last four games they played after the Red Wing victory, the eight two win at home, and you know there was a feeling of the sky is falling after the loss to the Rangers, and then they couple that up with the third period collapse against the Capitals, but, you know, dare I say that they played pretty solid hockey for most of that stretch. You know, it's 2-2 with the Rangers under a minute to go when Broussard takes the penalty, leads to the Kreider goal. They're up 4-1 on the Capitals at home going into the third, and then they go into a shootout 1-1 with Carolina, who's playing great hockey in a really tough building to play. So as much as it felt like, wow, this team is regressing and it was an aberration what happened earlier in the earlier in the season with the 17 point win streak they weren't making the big plays at the big moments but period in and period out outside of the third period against Washington I don't know if you can say they were playing awful yeah I think it really became a a a game of mistakes for the Islanders it wasn't that they were playing awful it was that they were making these mistakes that um, led to opportunities for the other team you think back to some of the mistakes the Islanders were making I mean, you're talking about turnovers in their own end that turn into goals. You're talking about bad penalties at, at inopportune times. I mean, the perfect example of that uh, Tuesday night against the Rangers, Scott Mayfield takes a spearing penalty. Now, whether you think that um, there's a little embellishment on part of the Rangers player is, is kind of here, neither here nor there. The fact that Scott Mayfield put himself in that position um, is a mistake and something that the Islanders have been doing a lot lately that has cost them. And like you said, they haven't been playing bad. They're making a lot of good plays there. You know, a lot of these games, some of them, most of the times have been close. Um, you know, the Islanders played two great periods on Saturday against the Washington Capitals, arguably the best team in the National Hockey League. Um, it's just that third period comes around, around and there's a couple mistakes. Capitals put the puck back in the Islanders' net, and all of a sudden the Washington Capitals, the best team in the NHL, you know, they're, they're showing why they're the best team in the NHL. So um, it's coming down to these little mistakes that the Islanders kind of have to clean up, and I think you kind of got that sense from um, maybe the relief that was on Barry Trotz's face and then his voice on Tuesday night after the Ranger game, just because the Islanders, again, they kind of put themselves in a spot where, you know, they take a double minor late in the game in the third period. The Rangers capitalize, you know, two goals there. They take another penalty for a delay game, which was a silly mistake that the Islanders can't afford to make right now. They're able to hold them off in that instance, and that's, that's big for the Islanders. That's big for their psyche. But it's just a, a point of emphasis now. It's that, not that the Islanders are playing bad. It's just that they're veteran players, too. They're making these mistakes, and they just got to clean them up because those mistakes are going to cost them, as, as we've seen over the last two weeks or so. Yeah, exactly. The losses and the way they lost were so inexcusable and uncharacteristic for a Barry Trotz team and what we've come accustomed to in the last year and a half. I think it hurt worse than – then obviously if they just got blown out four to one or five, nothing, the losses were not just 
um, you know, losses on the schedule. They were kind of gut punches, especially the back-to-back uh, losses to the Rangers and the Capitals. And then you have the kind of the shootout gaffes in Carolina um, with multiple players skating over the puck and not right. getting shot opportunities with chances to win the game. Um, so just a bizarre stretch of games here that they're finally through. <laughs> uh, Christian, I was thinking about this. If you did not watch hockey at any point during this year, you were traveling or you were somewhere out of pocket where you could not get a score, and you looked at the standings going into the All-Star break, and you found out the Islanders had the fourth-best record in the Eastern Conference, more points than the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the President's Trophy, more points than the hated Toronto Maple Leafs, you'd think you would feel pretty good about where things stand. Yet still, because of the trajectory this team has been on really since December, 63 points, now third in the Metro, um, it doesn't feel like the standings represent. And it's very, very tight. That's part of it. But they're not trending the right way. At least that's the way the fans feel, despite the fact that they do have the fourth best record in the conference. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird thing. I mean, for Islander fans, I think it's a sense that, um, you know, for the first time, the expectation is really there for this team to progress in leaps and bounds from year to year. So the Islanders, you know, they have a historic run, um, you know, earlier in the season, you know, they're picking up points, they're winning all these games. And so the precedent is now set that the Islanders can do this, that this New York Islanders team can do this. So when they kind of, you know, I don't want to say regress towards the medium a little bit, but, you know, things kind of start to come back to earth a bit that all of a sudden it seems like the sky is falling. I mean, I think someone put on Facebook or Twitter or something that um, earlier this week that where the, when the Islanders had 60 points on, on that day, I believe it was the 17th of January, um, the Islanders had 60 points a year ago at the same time last year. But the difference is now, I think it's just the precedent is set that the bar has been raised for the New York Islanders. They've shown what they can do as a team, as a team that's been basically constantly written, written off by the pundits, by the fan bases, by the team sometimes, um, that this team can still do really incredible things despite maybe not having a lot of uh, superstars on that roster, right? So I, I think that when things kind of get a little murky sometimes, things kind of Islander fans I think are, um, you know, kind of trained to have this, oh, my God, everything's falling apart feeling automatically just because of the history around the franchise, um, you know, up until Barry Trost and Lula Morello and, and the, the John Ledecky and Scott Malkin took over, um, that – it, it kind of becomes kind of going back to what you're used to, right? So the fear is always that that that's going to come back and that this has all been a mirage and that things are going to go back to the way they used to be when the team was terrible and, you know, they won some games, but then all of a sudden the, ceiling, the, the floor fell out beneath them. Um, I, I think right now it's just the Islanders having to go into the break and really utilize this break, um, a time to rest, recuperate, get a little bit healthier, um, you know, hopefully maybe start to see some guys come back uh, that are injured and that the Islanders and their management figure out what's going on. Um, I don't think the sky is falling with the Islanders. I am a little bit concerned about the lack of scoring and, and what you've seen as far as some of the mistakes you were talking about before, but I don't think the sky is falling. And I think that's kind of what Islander fans need to take a deep breath and understand that things are going to happen in the course of the 82-game season, right? The Islanders aren't going to play like the Islanders in November um, every, game of the, every game of the season, right? So they're it's going to be a point in time where they're going to get tested. And I think this is that point in time where the Islanders were tested. They played a lot of games in a short period of time. Um, the record wasn't great over that period of time, but like you said, I don't think every game was terrible. There were a few blowouts. Obviously the loss of the Rangers really stung that first game in Madison Square Garden. That hurt and that kind of kicked off some of the sky's falling feeling. 
Also, when you go into an extended break like the Islanders have and you look at the record over the last seven games, I think it's like two, three, and two or something like that. Um, it's not the greatest record, so that's you know it's always the what have you done for me lately, and that's always the last impression people are going to have. But this team can rebound. They've shown that they can bounce back, and I think that's kind of what people have to remember at this point. Yeah, they still have not had that prolonged losing streak, the four, five, right. six-game losing streak, and that could really derail a season. They've picked up enough points and have gotten wins at key points of the season. You know, they have not, I don't believe, lost three consecutive games in regulation under Barry Trotz. They got the, um, you know, the shootout loss in Carolina. Um, so they're still they're still finding ways to just kind of stagger along. But they did have a huge opportunity because of that 17 game point streak to where, you know, they would be battling for the first or second spot in the Metro. Home ice was going to be a guarantee if they just played a little right. bit better since December <laughs> and didn't give up some of these points against some of these lesser teams, both in the Eastern and Western Conference. And the reality is, is that things are just so bunched up right now that, you know, there are 10 teams really for eight spots in the East and very, very little room separating a team like the Islanders and a team like the Flyers. So uh, 33 games left and it's going to be a complete dogfight. Uh, to the finish. Um, Eric Hornick tweeted out, you may have heard of him, Eric Hornick, the statistician. Um, <laughs> someone asked, what was the record of the Islanders at the break last season? And it was 29-15-5. And, and the record at the break right now, 29-15-5. and um, Of course, last year, uh, they were actually in first place. Um, and, in, and in first place by three points at the break. And they were on pace for 105 points. They finished at 103 points. So uh, everything is still out in front for this team in terms of what they want to accomplish. But, man, it's been a very a very up-and-down roller coaster ride um, to this point. Let's get to some of the issues on the ice, uh, most notably coming out of the Ranger game, uh, Matt Barzell being benched in the third period, uh, Barry Trotz really not uh, going into much detail, saying, you know, he knows why. Um, he's been pointing out kind of selfish, selfish uh, individual-style play. He hasn't named names over the last, of the last few games, but – you know, do you feel like this was? Uh, um, do you feel like the benching was a product of several instances over a long course of time, or was it more something that he saw specifically? You know, in that second period against the Rangers, when it came to Barzell uh, sitting on the bench there in the third. I'm. I see. I spent a lot of the time on the train coming back from last night's game, and even this morning uh, when I was writing my three takeaways about what Matt Barzell could have, could have done that was so egregious, and and I. I, I I think if I had to put money, I think it's more of something, one mistake happened, and it was a mistake that piled up on a bunch of other mistakes that Matt Barzal has been making. And I think that you've kind of seen that from him a little bit more than, than usual this season, right? Because I think this year, especially the beginning of the year, you know, the 17-game point streak, all that, that you saw Matt Barzal that was much better in his own end. He was making a lot of responsive plays, as well as being the dynamic offensive player that everyone knows that he can be. And I think he's kind of gotten away from that. And I think that you look at last night's game and it was just an opportunity to kind of send him a little bit of a message that there was a mistake he made somewhere in that second period um, and that Barry Trotz just wanted to hammer that point home, especially heading into the All-Star break. Because you're, you're right, he was very, um, you know, kind of tight-lipped with, with us after the game um, with the print print guys as well as I, I believe Shannon Hogan asked him about it on the post-game show as well. Uh, and he said Barry Trotz said something to the equivalent of like he knew what he did. So I think that I think it's Barry Trotz just trying to get the message across to Matt Barzell, and and I think uh, as well the rest of the team like the mistakes just can't keep happening. That 
we are going to hold everyone responsible, whether you're Matt Barzell, who's a star player on the roster, or you're Ross Johnson, um, you know, who's kind of a bottom six grinded out kind of player, that everyone's going to be held responsible, and, uh, uh, you know, the same, whether, like I said, whether they're a star or whether they're not. So, um, you know, Barry Trotz, I think, knows what he's doing. He's a guy that got Alex Ovechkin, you know, to, to play a two-way game. So, uh, for Matt Barzell, I think that's a huge, huge benefit to have him as your coach. And uh, I think there's a lesson to be taken away. And I think that Barzell hopefully comes back from the break, um, you know, with a little new uh, renewed sense of finding that two-way game, being responsible in his own end, making the smart plays, not making as many turnovers and not making as many, um, you know, plays that I guess you would consider selfish. So, uh, I think that's the message that Barry Trotz is trying to send to get him away from what what those little things that he was doing um, and get him back to where he was early, earlier in the season that was making him so successful and in lieu of the Islanders so successful. We'll have more of our interview with Islanders Insights' Christian Arnold in a moment. You're listening to P.T. Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Christian Arnold is our guest, managing editor for Islanders Inside. Follow him on Twitter at C underscore Arnold zero uh, one. Uh, Barzell on a seventy point pace right now. Certainly, he's given up some of his scoring to adapt to that two way game. And even though, listen, there there have been other instances where he has um, made players accountable. I remember earlier in the season, Brock Nelson took back to back. Penalties and sat for quite a mm-hmm. period of time, um, but it does seem like he emphasizes Barzell a lot. Happened last year, happened again, happening again now, and it's almost like trying to get you know you got to get your star player to buy in for the rest of the team to buy in. But I think what's the interesting part of this dynamic is that your star player is you know 22 years old. It's not the veteran 27, 28 year old uh, that you're you're making a an, an example out of it's it's the 22 year old flashy star of the team that he needs to hammer the point home to get the trickle down effect among the whole roster kind of all pulling in the same direction at least that's my read on it yeah no i i don't think that's that far off of, of what what the case is i think that's a pretty um you know accurate interpretation of what it is because you're right you're dealing with a guy who's um a, a younger guy and obviously matt barzell has a little bit of a, a reputation of you know being um you know, a little bit of a flashy player, right? And that's at the NHL level, you can be a flashy player, but you also got to, especially in the Barry Trot system, you got to be able to play, um, you know, smart, smart, responsible hockey. And I think, like like I said before, I think he has been getting to that point um, much better earlier in the season than he has had lately. And I think that's part of it has to do with the fact that the Islanders haven't been scoring a whole lot, um, you know, in, in recent weeks. So there's that sense where, a lot of guys start to feel like they got to put the team on the shoulder and they got to, you know, start contributing and putting points on the board. And, and Barzal is obviously a dynamic player, but he's also a player that, you know, at times, especially last year, I think it seemed like he kind of over, you know, held on to the puck a little too long. He didn't make the smart play. It was a little bit of, um, you know, he was trying to do too much uh, and play as a one-man band at certain times. And I think that's 
kind of what you're saying, kind of start to seep back into his game. And I'm kind of giving him benefit without saying that he may have felt more pressure to pick up those points and pick up the team a little bit with the lack of scoring. But, um, I mean, for the Islanders to be successful, he's got to play the, both sides of the ice. He's got to play responsible hockey. He can't play that, um, you know, super stylish form of hockey that we all know he can play every time he has the puck. It's just not going to work every time. Teams are going to figure that out. Um, and I think in turn, that's led to some turnovers and, and some plays that have given the opposing team the opportunity on the other end of the ice against the Islanders. So it's just trying to get him away from that. So it, it is tough, especially to kind of get beat that into a 22-year-old who you know he's very good at hockey. So, um, you know, I think, you're, I think like you said, I think it's, that's a pretty spot-on interpretation of the situation that Barry Trotz is kind of faced with, um, trying to get Matt Barzell to buy into the system that the Islanders have in place and, and kind of get back to where he was earlier in the year. And let's uh, stay on the theme now in terms of the Islanders scoring or lack thereof. And, you know, when things are going well for the Islanders and they're winning games, we still know their shortcomings are their lack of offensive talent, how they struggle to score goals and get that third goal. Their record is just so good under Barry Trotz when they get that elusive third goal. And when things Mm -hmm. are bad, still, you know, the same storyline is do they have enough scoring? You know, Lou Lamarillo famously made the the comment uh, before the season that he doesn't get – um, he doesn't care about how many goals you score. He cares about goal differential at the end of the day per game. And uh, Islanders have certainly done a lot more winning than losing in the last year and a half. But, you know, when you bring the exact same roster back, um, there was a frustration there, I think, amongst fans where you knew the team had a glaring need and you didn't address it enough. Really, Derek Broussard, the only change in terms of acquisitions coming into the forward group. So now, obviously, the attention is do something. This is the attitude of fans. Just do something. And so many fans want that to just be bringing up someone from Bridgeport, which they're reluctant to do. And we're still about a month away from the deadline. So, you know, what do you see, if anything, they do both in the short term between now and the deadline? And, and you know, if you had to forecast a deadline, does Lou make a move this time where last year he decided to stand pat? Yeah, it's it's a tough thing to predict because I mean Lamarell a, a plays everything so close to the vest, um, and B let's say they try and make a trade. It's it the market right now is it's it's tough to find what the Islanders need. Obviously Pajot is one of one of the players that I think Islander fans have had their eyes set on for for a little bit now. Um, Tyler Toffoli is the name that's been thrown bantered around a little bit, um, but it's really tough to say. I think for the time being, the answer to the Islander scoring is going to have to come from within the organization, whether that's guys on the current roster stepping up or the Islanders calling up a keeper, Kiefer Bellows um, or and giving him an opportunity, something like that, because, you know, Bellows obviously had a, a pretty great season down in the AHL and, you know, he's producing a lot of goals uh, for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. And, and you can see why he's, uh, he's doing as well as he's, he's done so far. I had the chance to see him a couple of weeks ago playing down in Bridgeport when the Laval Rockets played the uh, Sound Tigers and uh, Sound Tigers put up six goals, uh, and he had a big part to do, a big part of why the of Sound Tigers played so well. So he has a lot of offensive talent himself, and I think, you know, he's ready whenever he gets that opportunity, and that's kind of got to be the Islanders' play for the time being because the market right now where it stands, it is, uh, it's tough to make that, that trade that Islander fans want to make, right? Um, you know, Lou Amaral kind of put all his eggs in, in the basket of our Temi Panarin during the offseason. That was going to be the Islanders' big offensive answer, um, you know, to some of their scoring loads, that just didn't work out. Um, and now it, it becomes a question of what do the Islanders have that's going to be valuable to whatever team they trade with? 
And is it worth making that trade um, and making a trade that for a guy that maybe is here a year or two, if the Islanders are lucky, is it worth whatever they're giving up? And that's a, that's a tough answer to find, figure out because the Islanders have to plan not just to be good this year. And I think that's the, always the problem that people um, in management run into uh, and the fans kind of don't necessarily see it, think think about it as much, especially when they're as passionate as the Islander fans are. It's they want to win. They want to have a successful team now. But the Islanders have to be successful now, two years from now, four years from now, um, et cetera. So they have to make this plan where if you're making a trade, I, it has to be for the right reason. I think Lou has always said that too. It has to be a trade that isn't just going to make the Islanders um, you know, equal. It's not an equal trade. It has to make the Islanders better. It can't just be yeah, a move I mean, I to make a move. I understand where you're getting that. Um, and he, I've, I've read Lou make those comments about how how quickly the future comes. You know, even though he's you know at, at an advanced age, right? He's thinking about the future of the organization, <laughs> right? Uh, which is great. Um, you know, but at the same time, in a lot of ways, this is a now roster. I mean, when you re-sign True. Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle and Brock Nelson, guys in their late twenties, knocking on thirty. When you have Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk and two veteran goaltenders. It's very much a narrow roster. Like the window with those players at your core and Josh Bailey and I can and Cal Clutterbuck and Casey Zizekas, you, you get in what I'm saying. That yeah. last year he made the call that in my estimation, and I've talked about this on the podcast previously, mm-hmm. that they were ahead of where they thought they were going to be and it was not worth mortgaging the future for this group at this point. I don't know how in year two you sell to the guys in the dressing room that I believe in you, that you guys have enough to make a run for a cup or a deep run in the playoffs with not, without adding to the roster and substantially adding to the roster, you know, with a difference right. maker, not the, you know, the Garth, the Garth Snow, Tyler Kennedy and Shane <laughs> Prince acquisitions. We're talking about someone that can fit in and make an impact both at the end of the regular season and the playoffs. I feel like that dressing room will be thirsty for that message. I'm shocked you left off Sebastian Kohlberg, the can't miss prospect that they traded for uh, when they, during the Thomas Vanek trade. <laughs> Thomas <there>. Vanek. <laughs> but I mean, I understand the point. But it, then it goes back to to my point of all right, so all right, that's the situation. That's the case. Um, all right, finding that finding that dynamic player that's going to push them over the edge. Who is who is the butch scoring uh, out there that they're going to trade for that's going to make this team? Um, you know, able to make a deep run or even go to the, the cup final, let's say. Um, that becomes a big question. Is it, is it, is it a casual? Is it, is it, you know, I, I don't think it's Tyler Typholi, but so who else is on the market now that you can think that is going to be that player that pushes them over the edge? You know, a month or two, you know, a couple months ago, I said that's Taylor Hall, right? Um, but things didn't pan out, and I don't think the Islanders are ever going to be able to make a trade with someone in their own division, let alone, you know, a stone's throw away from where they actually play their game. So, um, it, it's tough. I understand that point, but it's also, all right, who is that guy now? Who is that dynamic player that you so desperately need or think that'll help you push, push you over the edge that the Allen's going to go out and get? Um, and, but and I don't know whether or not it has to be that. a dynamic player. Honestly, I don't know. Well, it's not going to be Taylor Hall. We know that he's on the market or right, anyone else right. of his ilk is on the market. But just someone who can score 20 to 25 goals that maybe is worth a prospect in a, in a not first-round pick or something like that. You see these trades made every year um, for those type of players. It seems like every cup contender adds so, some kind of roster depth. And when the margin of error for this team is so slim, 
the idea of just adding one more reliable guy that can chip in and score feels like that could be huge for the team. You know, if they just keep yeah, everything else no the doubt. same in terms of discipline and their solid goaltending. Um, it's going to be fascinating as we approach the deadline. You know it's going to go very – I mean, I'd be shocked if he did anything before the deadline. Um, so, you yeah, know, I think people are going to be uh, refreshing like crazy like they always do come the trade deadline, and, <laughs> and we'll see whether or not we're surprised. Um, real quick, your thoughts on – I know you, you touched on it, but, you know, I'm, I'm not as bullish as everyone else is in terms of bring up Kiefer Bellows, bring up Otto, bring up Wallstrom because I'm not – I'm not convinced that they've seen enough of their two-way games to trust them in big situations and putting them on one of the top two lines. Uh, I yeah, feel like no, if that, I, I, if, I that wasn't, that. if that wasn't the case, I feel like they would be here at this point, and and, and it's probably the reason why they're not. Yeah, no, I, I agree with it because even, even Otto Otto Koivu is up here. He was only getting a, a limited amount of time, um, and he played he played fine. Like I don't want to say he he didn't play fine. He played fine. But I don't think it's to where the Islanders felt comfortable putting him in the roster every day. Um, you know, Oliver Wilson got his time up here for a little bit, and, you know, there's still a lot of things that he needs to learn in his game. Uh, Kiefer Bellows is, is an interesting situation. I'd like to see how he performs up here in the NHL, even if it's for a game or two, just to, just to see how he, you know, handles it and if he sinks or swims or not. But, I, I, I mean, that's, uh, I, like you said, I know Kiefer people are bullish about bringing one of those guys up. Kiefer Bellows obviously being the most uh, notable of those just because of his production down in the AHL. But I, I think it's a, it's a fair point, right? Because that is a big ask for these guys. And as they come up, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think they're being necessarily placed in the Islanders top six uh, part of the roster or part of the lineup um, right out of the gate. They'll probably be on the third line. I don't think the, you know, Barry Trotz would put Kiefer Bellows on the, on the fourth line, but I think he'd probably be a third line player. Uh, at the start, and maybe if he played well, he'd end his way up. But um, you know, it, it's an interesting point because I, I just don't—I don't know. I'd like to see Kiefer Bellows up here. I think he might be the most uh, have the most potential of those three names that you threw out there. But again, I, I understand where you're coming from as far as them just not being ready to be in the the top half of the Islanders lineup um, and how they would do. It, it, it'd be interesting to see. But uh, with the Islanders playing such meaningful games and such tight games, it, it's kind of a tough ask, too, for them as well. A couple more questions with Christian Arnold, Islanders Inside, also an AP contributor, does a great job. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here at the All-Star break. Give me your biggest <laughs> surprise and biggest disappointment on the Islanders roster so far at this point of the season. Um, a biggest surprise, I think, is just the fact that you have uh, Semyon Varlamov kind of just picking up right where Robin Leonard left off and, and, you know, really playing such a crucial role for the Islanders and then being able to rotate uh, those goaltenders for so long as successfully as they did and really without missing much of a beat. And obviously, you know, he's had a tough stretch a little bit, but he's still playing pretty good hockey. That's That's been a pretty big surprise because I think even just by, you know, using logic, you would have to imagine the Islanders goaltending would have taken a step back a little bit. Um, so I think that's been, um, you know, one of my bigger surprises, one of the biggest uh, disappointments. Um, I think you obviously like to see a lot more production out of Jordan Everly and Josh Bailey as far as two guys who made such an impact late last season, especially in the playoffs. Everly was so huge in that playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and obviously he dealt, he's dealt with some injuries, but still he's been a guy that I think the Islanders really, really need to start contributing. You can pick it up. Um, recently he's been, um, you know, more noticeable and, and putting up points, which is, which is great to see. 
Um, but I think for for a while he was a guy that you could almost watch a few games and you're like, oh wait, Jordan Everly's playing, John Bailey's, Josh Bailey's playing. Like those guys weren't would go long stretches of the season and not have goals or points, and, and it's disappointing because those are two guys the Islanders really need to contribute this season. And that's uh, and, you know for a team that doesn't put up a lot of points and not have guys. Uh, two guys who are really in the top six of your lineup, not not putting up points, is it's it's, it's tough for them. So that's it's been a bit disappointing this year. Yeah, for me, I think my biggest surprise would have been Adam Palich, um if he had not gotten hurt. Um, just the fact that he became, you know, pretty much a lockdown defenseman playing with Ryan Pulak, so reliable, really yeah. their top part of their top pair. I don't think anyone two years ago expected that. Just really a shame that for the second time in his career, he's had a bit of a freak injury. Um, although Noah Dobson has, has fit in nicely to this point, other players have certainly stepped up their minutes and his absence. You know, you could see Lou look at trying to get some kind of defenseman depth that wouldn't pe- put that past them either at the deadline. Um, I think my biggest surprise and disappointment are both Anthony Beauvillier because he's just <laughs> so streaky, right? It seems like yeah. there have been multiple points this year where you go, wow, he's about to take it to the next level, and then he goes quiet for 8 to 10 to 12 games, and now he's in the midst of another streak where he's playing really well again. Usually when he gets to play the Rangers or get to a big game at the right. Coliseum, he shows up and scores a big goal. But you just want him to be a very consistent because sometimes as he goes, when you don't have that second or third guy behind Barzell and Brock Nelson now leading the team with 20 goals, you really want Bovillier to be that third consistent scorer that can get to the 25-30 goal mark eventually in his career. And you want to believe that it's there, but it, it, it disappears at certain points of the season. You know what's interesting about that, too, is that it's almost like Brock Nelson for, for a long time, right? Brock Nelson was a guy who would put up huge numbers in October, and then he'd go like, through these weird stretches where he would be invisible, and he'd, then he'd start putting up points, and then he'd, be, he'd disappear for the rest of the season. And it's almost kind of what Anthony Bobillier is going through uh, this season, where it's like the, the old Brock Nelson of old now, because he's, he's been consistent in scoring and um, you know, really turned turn his, his career around. Um, and now in found, found that rhythm uh, and that consistency. And, and Bovillier is like kind of almost like the new Brock Nelson where he, he has flashes of brilliance and then just disappears for games. And then you start to see him come back and you get excited and then it's it coming for, for a few more games. So it's him just needing to find that consistency. And Brock Nelson certainly found that consistency. 20 goals on the season on pace for a 30-goal year, his first what would be his first in his career. Um you know, I think a couple of years ago, people thought last year was guaranteed to be his final season with the Islanders, and now he's, um, you know, among among the better uh, number two centers in the league. Um, Christian, um, thanks for your time today. I saw that Casey Zizekas on and Cal Clutterbuck on Instagram. I saw that they're actually in Turks and Caicos already, so they're starting their break. <laughs> what, are, what are your plans during the break? Are they as um, exclusive and elaborate and uh, as spectacular <laughs> I, as that? I wish. I must have missed my invite to that because I did not have any trips here to the Kangos. Folks, uh, I'm just going to enjoy some downtime uh, after that, you know, seven games in 11 days stretch where it was just constantly being on the, on the, on the beach. So it'll be nice just to have some downtime and, and see my friends again for a couple of days. Yeah, I think uh, I think the fans are, are right there with you. Christian Arnold, <laughs> Islanders Insight AP contributor. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely, Joe. Happy to do it.